Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Torch. I'm Jake. And I'm Kimberly. And today, our guest is Brian Moore. Welcome, Brian. Oh, it is good to be with you guys. <laughs> We're super excited to have you here. I'm going to read your very um, impressive bio just oh, for our listeners. Who wrote this? Somebody cool. Oh, man. Initials is, BM. Oh, good Lord. This is not going to be good. <laughs> Brian's career has been a learning-based journey with an intense focus on people, purpose, values, culture, leadership, and advocating capitalism as a force for good. He was a founding member of Jobbing.com, one of the original online job boards, which he helped to grow to over 350 employees and $38 million in revenue over an 11-year period. He later became director of talent strategy and acquisition for P.F. Chang's China Bistro and Peiwei Asian Diner Restaurants before joining forces with his co-founder, Max Hansen, to create the first purpose-based leadership search firm, Y Scouts, in March of 2012. That's true. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> took a long pause there. We're going to edit that part out. I was like, did I read that right? No, okay. you read it right. That's true. <laughs> she's, she's like pausing for comedic yeah. effect. <laughs> in the summer of 2018, he doubled down on his commitment to leveraging business as a powerful force for good and joined the Arizona chapter of Conscious Capitalism as its very first president. Together with Scott McIntosh, founder and chairman of the Arizona chapter of Conscious Capitalism, he is focused on helping the Arizona business community practice capitalism with both a long-term view and a stakeholder-centric orientation, a model of business that creates prosperity for all. Amen. That yeah. is a fantastic Amen. bio. That's a great, that's a Brian Moore, yeah. Brian Moore bio. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I mean, it's, you know, it's the the career version, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's so often, I, I think we, uh, I fall into the same trap of, you know, describing myself and describing ourselves based on the things we've done looking backwards. Mm-hmm. And... In, in the one realm, right? In the professional realm mm-hmm. from a bio. But that's just such a small sliver of who I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, father, husband, poker player, aspiring to figure out how to play guitar, uh, you know, friend, brother, uncle, just all those other roles that I play that we all play in our lives. To me, that's the far more interesting stuff. But don't get me going on my soapbox. I like it. Tell <laughs> us more about your personal bio. Uh, I just my wife Jackie and I just celebrated our twenty year anniversary at the end of February, Congrats. which is actually really hard to believe that I'm old enough to have been married for twenty now more than twenty <laughs> years, uh, which is super cool. Um, I boy did I hit the cover off the ball when I met Jackie. We met on a blind date. Uh, before there was, you know, social media and really before almost everything was a blind date, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was truly blind. She came out of the elevator and I had no idea what she was going to look like. Uh, I was going on faith that my cousin wouldn't set me up with somebody that, uh, there wouldn't at least be some level of physical attraction. Right. And, uh, boy, he did a really good job. (laughs) Um, I've got two daughters, a 14 year old and a 12 year old. Mm -hmm. So both in middle school at the moment and for the parents out there. Uh, girls in middle school is an interesting time to say the least. Uh-huh. I am just doing my best to uh, <laughs> keep them on the straight and narrow. No drama ever. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no drama in my house whatsoever. He uh, says with a sweaty yeah, forehead. Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, what else can I share? I, I had mean, those are the things that matter most, right? I mean, my, right. my, my fan, everything revolves around the three women in my house and, and I'm just sort of like there to, I don't know. I'm not sure why I'm there, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Something that uh, stuck out to me on, uh, on the form you submitted was um, I had no idea in all of our interactions yep. throughout the years. I didn't know that you were a deadhead. Mm. Well, it's not something, it's, so it's, it's been an interesting struggle internally you know when when you mention the grateful dead to people uh-huh. especially those that are not interested in the band don't, don't listen to the music and likely have been exposed to it only through what is the shadowy side of that scene which is this can be and uh, i mean i've seen it the drug infested culture and the psychedelic invest uh, infested culture that surrounded the band uh-huh. and that's there i'm not going to deny it mm-hmm. But for those of us that really uh, love music and love improvisational music and go to a concert to see a band perform 
a set list that they don't even know they're going to perform when they get on stage, right? Like they, the amazing thing is about this particular band is in their 30 plus years of playing, they never played the same show twice ever, mm. Wow, which is an amazing thing given that they had one top 10 hit in the entirety of their career, mm-hmm. you know, according to radio standards, if you will. Mm-hmm. So here we are in 2019. Jerry Garcia died in uh, August of 1995. So what? We're coming up on uh, 20-ish, approaching 20 years that he's been gone. Uh, actually, it's more than 20 years. Yeah. Uh, my math sucks. Um, 20, 24 25. years. Yeah, almost yeah. 25. And the band and the music is, there's a bit of a resurgence. And you, know, you got a guy like John Mayer, mm-hmm. who's an amazing guitar player that has stepped in, not not to fulfill the spot Jerry left, but to, you know, bring a different element to the music and the music is still alive. And it's just such an amazing thing. Uh, and I got off track, you know, that sharing that I'm in, I'm, I mean, it's a religion for me. <laughs> yeah. It really is. It's, I listen to it every day. Uh, it's the music is so uplifting. This, their stories are my stories. And that's the, the amazing thing about their writing and the lyricists and the poets that were behind their songs. A couple of guys, individual, uh, John, uh, excuse me, John Perry Barlow and Robert Hunter, who are the two primary lyricists. And the stories and poems that they wrote, they wrote them in such a way that their stories become the listener's stories. Like mm-hmm. you are the hero. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. They are able to write it in such a way that you get to own the song. It's your song. Mm-hmm. It's not theirs, cool. which is such a cool thing. And, um, that element of surprise, the element of improvisation, and the element of you being able to own the music is such a cool thing. And, you know, as I've gotten older and realized that uh, being afraid to tell people that I love the Grateful Dead is a really stupid <laughs> thing to be afraid of, because if they're going to make a judgment call and assume that I'm, you know, you know after they leave me, that I'm going to go home and uh, eat magic mushrooms or take right. acid, is, is not, you know, I'm way, <laughs> way too old for any of that crap. So, right. uh, do you like do you like the direction you mentioned John Mayer? That's how yeah. I got introduced to it because it's Dead and Co. Right? Correct, Dead and, and Company. I, you got it. I noticed that they um, were just announced yesterday or two days ago. Um, they're going to be in the lineup for the 50 year anniversary of Woodstock. They are. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. I I mean I think it's uh, it's cool. Um, the Grateful Dead did play at the original Woodstock, and as I'm sure every member of the band would say, and they've said, it was probably one of the worst sets they ever played. It was, and Woodstock was the original Woodstock in '69 was just a disaster oh, yeah. for most of the artists. It was rainy, it was crummy conditions, mm. people were being electrocuted on stage. I mean, it wasn't it was like the original fire festival kind of. Sh- right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the yeah, very much so. <laughs> with the exception, it wasn't on some gorgeous uh, <laughs> deserted island right. in the middle of the Bahamas, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really cool. And I think it's cool that they're commemorating a 50-year anniversary of such a milestone musical event. Uh, and these big, big festivals, uh, bringing all these different bands together. It's just a cool thing. It's mm-hmm. it's cool to bring people together around music. Mm-hmm. I think music is such an amazing sense of truth for many, many people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cool thing about music is it brings people together. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something about Biles going back in time. I want to go back the furthest in time mm-hmm. and talk about uh, growing up. Where did you grow up? Where were you born? I, I grew up in Indiana, so I am a Hoosier at heart. Did I know that? I don't know. Did what? you? I guess did I you, didn't. You did not know that. Yeah, You're I got two Hoosiers in I am a Hoosier. I love Hoosiers. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Indiana. <laughs> Where? Uh, in a town called Munster, not like the cheese. I mean, it sounds like the cheese, mm-hmm. but it's not spelled like the cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, M-U-N-S-T-E-R, Munster, which is about as far northwest Indiana as you can be without actually being in Illinois. Is it mm-hmm. past Gary? It is. It's northwest of Gary. Yeah, so uh, grew up there. I could get into Chicago by car in about 35 minutes. So where uh, Indiana is, or excuse me, where Munster, Indiana is, is considered a suburb of Chicago. You know, we were Mm. Cubs fans and Sox fans and Blackhawks and Bulls and Bears. And uh, yeah, so I I used to say when people ask me that question, where am I from? I used to say the suburbs of Chicago and they'd say, oh, yeah, which one? And then I'd have to say, well, Munster, Indiana. And it just I was like, you know what? I just need to own that I'm I'm from Indiana. I am a Hoosier. I I, as much as Hoosiers. I want to say a Chicago uh, Chicagoan, uh-huh. I identify with Chicago, but I'm I'm a Hoosier at heart. I never knew that. I yeah. definitely did not know that. And you have no accent either. 
Do do Hoosiers have accents? Is that something you uh, you, you can detect, or are you no, talking about I'm more of a Chicago, Chicago accent? accent? When I'm around people from Chicago, uh, it's crazy how quickly <laughs> they pull that, out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cr- it is. It's <laughs> pretty bears. funny. Yeah, bears and let's go get some hot dogs and like I can really uh, up the treble in my voice based upon my surrounding. It's funny. It'll come out. It's starting to come out a little bit right now. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's there. It's hidden. I guess I don't know. What brought you to Arizona? Uh, a job actually uh, and the sun so I'd never been here before I came here I packed my stuff in a U-Haul and drove out here having never been west of the Mississippi River so was, you, you keep you keep taking these giant leaps on blind faith uh, yeah, the, yeah that's interesting I never <laughs> thought of well at least two right uh, one blind date and one blind uh, geographic yeah. move um, that's interesting two well, of the biggest things in your life yeah i wonder if i'm gonna have to follow that pattern how many blind leaps have i taken <laughs> we're gonna get a couch for in the podcast studio <laughs> Matt- jake's doing his uh his doctor of psychiatry <laughs> yes, over he here is. yeah getting You're, into the psychoanalysis help me solve it. all my problems <laughs> right. we're gonna need more than an hour i'll tell you that <laughs> um so i was working for bank one at the time when mm-hmm. bank one was still around and you know living in the in in Indiana and in the general Chicago land area, mm-hmm. the weather it, it can be pretty brutal. Uh, the winters can be rough, uh, even though we made the best of them. In the summers, when the sun does come out, it can be pretty humid. And so, just w- more than anything, I love seeing the sun. I just love sunlight, and we didn't get a whole heck of a lot of it back there. And so, I just wanted to see something different. And so, thankfully, I was doing well with Bank One, and I looked at a map. And saw where Bank One had their big presence in the United States. And they had two places, Columbus, Ohio, or Phoenix, Arizona. Those were like the two hubs. Mm -hmm. And Columbus, which I had been to before, felt like it wasn't going to be much of a difference from uh, Indiana or Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you know what? Let's go check out the desert and see what it's all about. Um, Interestingly, which this could take us off a whole crazy tangent but the blind date i went on with jackie happened four days before i moved to phoenix oh man yeah so uh i hope my daughters never listen to this but (laughs) i was just hoping to score and get lucky before i left town right like i'll admit it but and and boy did i score and get lucky i mean i ended (laughs) up yeah for life i mean what a score um just incredible how did how did that work did she come out here after she was uh, in her first semester of her second year of law school at Loyola and mm. so she couldn't go anywhere she mm-hmm. was going to finish she had another year and a half of law school mm-hmm. and uh, I would b- fly her out she didn't have any money she was a broke law school student mm-hmm. and I would fly her out at least once a month to Phoenix wow. uh, and we did that for about maybe nine to 10 months or so, and things were starting to get serious, but it was almost this sort of, um, like, was it serious or was it just really awesome because we saw each other once a month Mm -hmm. for an extended weekend, had a blast with each other, Mm -hmm. but really didn't have time to be together Mm -hmm. consistently. So as the summer approached, of whatever year it was we had been together again maybe six nine months and she's like listen um we're clearly falling in love but we needed to figure out like is this real or are we just having fun yeah and she had a year left of law school and she's like would you be willing to move back to chicago so that we could at least live close to one another her her parents would have never let her live with a guy before she got married Mm -hmm. which totally cool and uh, and I'm like, I'm really, in, I got to see if this is real. And yeah. so I moved back. What? Yeah, for her. This is like a movie. It's Hot crazy. <laughs> I moved back. Uh, and the bank, God bless Bank One, they moved me back, like paid my expense. They moved me out to Arizona, paid for it, moved me back and paid for it. Uh-huh. Here's what's crazier. So we're together now in downtown. We're living in downtown Chicago in the Lakeview neighborhood. Beautiful neighborhood. Oh, just awesome. Great food. Loved it. Great food. Great little musical venue. Shuba's is just such a staple in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived in a, like a, a one bedroom, just dump. Oh my God, this place was a dump. <laughs> she lived around the corner with her best friend in a really nice two bedroom, uh, Brownstone. And, you know, she basically lived with me, even though she had a separate residence. Uh, don't tell her mom and dad. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, we fell in love. 
And so I proposed. She said yes. And then Bank One moved me back to Flagstaff. What? Because I was able to convince her that we were going to make our life in Arizona. Okay. She had a whole master plan. She had the law firm. I think it was called Childress and Zeb, if I'm if my memory serves. She had her whole plan oh, man. of she was going to be a big time attorney in Chicago. She yeah. had the law firm picked out. Da, 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 da. I convinced her to move back to Arizona. But in order for us to get back there, I needed to take the first opportunity that was at whatever you know level I was at with the bank at the time. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was in Flagstaff. So wow. I moved back to Flagstaff. I took her cat with me as collateral to make sure that she would come out there. We were then apart for about another seven months while she finished law school. I lived in Flag, and then, uh, as luck would have it, an opportunity in the Valley opened up with Bank One. I moved down there. She came out, and we've been here since 1998 full-time. Okay. Um, so your girls are Arizonans. They are Arizonans. Yeah. What What was it about Arizona that made you so sure that, that like this was the place that that you knew both of you needed to be? I just when I got here the first time yeah. after, <laughs> you know, being here for just a handful of months. Yeah. I just fell in love. I fell in love with the desert. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with the sun. I fell in love with the geography. I fell in love with the ease of life out here. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with the people. I love that while there's a, I've met a, the natives who live here, right? The people who are from the, the Phoenix area are wonderful people, very welcoming. And I found so many people that had come here from somewhere else who mm-hmm. were n- not unlike me, just looking to, you know, in a matter of sense, start something fresh, a fresh chapter in their life. And I often refer to Phoenix as the control alt delete city where people come to kind of start over and reboot. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know how many people out there even know what control delete means, right? Like, I, knew. I, I, knew. I knew. I'm glad you guys I grew are up on Windows. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Good, 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 good. Uh, you know, any Mac users, like, I don't know. I know the spinning wheel of death, but I don't right. know what control alt delete is. Um, so yeah, I just I fell in love with it, and I knew I wanted to be here. And also, part of it was just my complete utter frustration and exhaustion with how crummy the weather was back in Chicago. It's Even terrible. though yeah, it is, it sucks. It but does. the culture there, the food, the scene, the people, it is it's my favorite city still. Me too. I love Chicago I and love I tell it. that to people. When I went last summer for one of my girlfriend's weddings in South Bend, yep. it started in Chicago. Yep. And I came back because it was we were the in Chicago for Fourth of July. Yeah. It was 95 degrees with 95% humidity. I mean, the weather was disgusting. Awful. But all the great food, everything. When I came back, I talked to one of our colleagues, Bob, and I was like, I want to move back. I want to move back to the Midwest. I love Chicago. (laughs) And I was like, but I can't figure out why because I hate the weather. Basically, there's two good weeks in the spring and two beautiful weeks in the fall. I mean, the weather's the worst, in my opinion. But the food is so good. People are so nice. It's like a busy city without being insane. Yep. It's killer. It's a great place. We, we used to joke growing up and even as we got older that there's two seasons in Chicago, winter and construction. <laughs> and that's it. Like, that's what you get. Yeah. Um, which, But this, this city is just, it is a great city. Mm-hmm. It's a great city. I, I do. I miss it. And I miss the music scene there was just awesome. Still mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Phoenix being still not a primary destination Um at least in my opinion, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, lot more opportunity that Phoenix, I think, will, will, we're coming into our own here, that's mm-hmm. for sure. The the art scene in general in Phoenix, I think, is, is it needs more development. It's getting there, though. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some, there's definitely good pockets of it. There's mm-hmm. some good things happening. Downtown's growing with the live music yep, venues. Totally. That's helping a lot totally. in the last few years. And all of our homegrown restaurant organizations and mm-hmm. companies, you know, whether it's Upward Projects or Fox or some of the other mom and pops, mm-hmm. like there's some really cool things happening mm-hmm. here. And a lot of folks that, whether they grew up here or moved here from somewhere else, are claiming this wonderful place as their own and they're they're make, they're putting their stamp on it and I, we're starting to build a really cool identity and in, in a lot of ways i love it the summers are though now 20 what one years mm-hmm. the summers are a little hot it's <laughs> it's a little brutal but. I mean, just yesterday I was, I was walking in between the two buildings and i was like Man, it's hot. And it was only like 70-something <laughs> degrees. I've yes. been so pampered by this yes. wonderful uh, spring that we've had. That yeah. This is the worst oh, time of year because- You, you know get, it's coming. You know it's coming. <laughs> yep. And you're so used to six months of perfect weather, which yep. is why people love living here. And then you do, I start getting really cranky right around this time of year. And then around September where you've had like six months of heat and you're waiting for it to break. 
But this time of year, I do get like a- like anxious because I'm like, oh, I don't want to turn the air conditioner on yet. <laughs> but <laughs> you know it's coming next week. Let's keep the doors open as long as we, we can. It's coming. Right? You we do. all know it's coming. So how'd you get hooked in with the BBB then? Uh, I have to blame that on Rick Dirks. Oh. So I have a uh, quick story. When Jackie and I bought our very first house in Ahwatukee, we went out with a real estate agent. We looked at seven houses in one day. The seventh house, when we walked into it, in that house was Rick and Robin Dirks. It was their house. And so we walk in and we fell in love with their house. And we ended up buying his house and him and Robin and their daughters. (laughs) And I met him that day. You know, it's not usual for the homeowners of, of, you know, the the sellers to be home, but they were. And so we met him and had a brief conversation. And uh, I don't know, it was a couple, three years later that Rick and I got reconnected. I don't even remember how. But we remembered that we had met and had this funny connection of that I actually bought his house, right? I mean, what a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was already on the BBB board and mentioned, and I was working for jobbing.com at the, at the time. And he said, hey, I, I, you know, we're looking to expand this board. And I had never been on a board before. Mm. And he said, I think you'd be great. You know, we're looking to uh, bring on some, some younger folks, some fresh energy, some different thinking. I'm like, okay, who do you want me to refer you to somebody or like, why are you asking me? And he, you know, uh, and he said, no, I'm, I, I want you to come meet the CEO. And we went and had, uh, we met for a happy hour at the Buttes over in Tempe mm-hmm. at top of the rock restaurant. I remember it. And, uh, I think all three of us ordered a Heineken. I know I did, uh, <laughs> the things we remember. Yes. Yeah. And we specific. sat, yeah, we sat there up there and that was a Friday and I met Matt and uh, he's such a cool dude. I'm like, hey. yeah, sure. I'm bored. Yeah, whatever. Sounds great. You know? And that was 2008. So 11 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> and uh, I, I probably almost got kicked out pretty quick. There was a board retreat. I don't know how many months after I had joined, but I remember we gathered at one of Cox Communications uh, locations. It was off uh, I-17 and like Dunlap. It was a all day retreat type of thing. And I was such a brash know-it-all. <laughs> and uh, I just, I, man, I was so obnoxious. I, we, we were talking about something, and I, the words that came out of my mouth were something along the lines of, you know, I, I just don't think the BBB is relevant. If you're 20 to 25 years old today, you don't know what the BBB is. So if we don't start figuring out how to, like, connect with younger generations, like, we're just on our way to being obsolete. So we better figure that out. It was something in that vein. This and was it, edited a little bit, the way you said it right now. Was probably, edited. probably. <laughs> and uh, and I remember driving home after the meeting, and I called Matt. And I, I remember this conversation. I'm like, Matt, I, hey, it's Brian Moore. And uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, I am so sorry. And if you would like to uninvite me off the board, I would totally understand I, I mean, I just came in like a bull in a china shop as if I had all the answers. I just such a, yeah, it was not one of my prouder moments. And uh, his response was like, no, that's exactly why we brought you here. Yeah. Uh, and But it's interesting as I look back now, while the message I shared was why they brought me here, my message delivery was so off. And, and it's just, you know, the things we learn, right? I was, mm-hmm. I don't even remember how old I was. I was probably 30, 31 at the time. No, maybe, thir- so I'm 46 now, 11 years. So I was 35, mm-hmm. 35 and a know-it-all. And uh, wow, how little I actually really know now that I'm 11 years older. That's crazy. How has your relationship with BBB sort of like affected your trajectory? I think the thing that the BBB has opened my eyes to and something that I, because of like, you know, where I got my start in the banking career and then uh, working for a technology company, a job board uh, at the time that I started with the BBB, I just really had no awareness of the size and the importance of the small to medium sized businesses that are our, our, our trades people, our crafts people, you know, whether it's a car mechanic or an air conditioning contractor or a roofing company or a construction company, 
and just the myriad of businesses. And I know there's a whole lot more than just that, but as a, a sweeping generalization of all the businesses out there and the entrepreneurs that are excellent at their craft that mm-hmm. build a business around it and how important all of those folks are to a thriving economy for for the state mm-hmm. uh, and for the country. And so the BBB just has really opened my eyes to the importance of celebrating these types of entrepreneurs. And we put up in lights so often, at least today, the unicorn companies that are coming out of Silicon Valley or Austin, Texas or Phoenix uh, or Denver or Portland or Columbus and all these tech-centric cities. And that's great too. I'm not knocking it. But we need to celebrate the rest of the companies. We need to celebrate the entrepreneurs that aren't going to build some multi-billion dollar scaled technology. Mm-hmm. What about the guys and gals that are helping us when our garage door is broken or uh, unfortunately there's a fire in our house and you need some sort of fire restoration company to come in and like help you rebuild a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the BBB has opened my eyes to. And Frankly, I think the more we turn our attention to those types of companies and celebrate the way in which they conduct themselves, because they conduct them, the, the competition's so fierce because there's so many of them, mm-hmm. that the importance of doing business the right way always and celebrating that, that needs to just grow and multiply. Because too often, the business stories we hear that gain a lot of national attention are the bad ones. Yep. It's not the good ones. Mm-hmm. I just I just watched the uh, Netflix document. No, it was on HBO. The Theranos story. Oh, wasn't mm-hmm. that good? I watched that the night it came wow. out as well. Wow, 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 Man. wow! And it's fascinating too. You talked about the Fire Festival, and you talk about uh, Elizabeth Holmes. I forgot the guy's name, but who was behind the Fire Festival? But you look at the two of them, and in like in some ways, you want to celebrate their visionary quality that they're just determined to pull something off. And yet you can't help but be absolutely disgusted with the level of, uh, what's the word I want to use? Their, their level of acceptance with the consequences of their fraudulent activities. And, and like, what's the price they were willing to pay to bring their dream to life? Right. And Elizabeth Holmes, at least as I've learned, and clearly there's probably more to the story. Uh, I don't know all the facts, but. Boy, it's hard to justify the actions that she and Sonny, the president, mm-hmm. took to bring their dream to life. I don't know that I can justify it. Yeah. I don't know that I know all the facts either, but what I was exposed to certainly paints a very uh, frightening picture that that's the shadowy side of capitalism is people just willing to sacrifice lives in order to bring their dream to life. And I'm not knocking their dream. It was a great concept. That's what I was thinking. Like when I first started following them when I was at ASU, I loved it. I loved that she was a younger woman that was the richest woman in Silicon Valley. And we, our whole team, we followed them. And then they moved in at Sky Song for a period of time. There yep. was a Theranos office. Yep. And we loved it. I had a friend it. who worked there. Really? Yep. And, and well, that's an interesting discussion for another day because there's some good stories of people having to remove it from their resumes, unfortunately, because they didn't know what was going on sure. at that high of a level. Sure. But uh, and then shortly thereafter, the some of those in, that initial Wall Street Journal story dropped, and I was like, okay, this is probably just one side of the story. But then it was just more and more evident. And that documentary that just came out this mm-hmm. week on HBO, it's fascinating because it made me really start to think: Was she a fraud, or was the concept? really not validated from the very get-go and then it just snowballed and it got so big and she had so much money on the line that they would just do anything the part that well we could do a whole podcast on that documentary but it's gross because you're dealing with people's blood you're dealing with people's safety their health and well-being and you're lying to them it's crazy it, it was a very uh insightful documentary to say the least mm-hmm. and just the strategies whether it was done with full intent to surround themselves with some of the biggest, most well-known, you know, private investors as well as politicians to Mm -hmm. create sort of that invisible shield around some of the activities that were going on. It's, it was a pretty masterful, you know, run Mm -hmm. Uh, and they hid a lot for a long time. And, uh, 
by that whistleblower email that that uh, young gal sent. Yeah. Uh, I think her name was Erica, if my memory serves. Erica Chung. That's what rings out. I could be wrong. It might be Angela, Erica. I forgot. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that was kind of the straw that really broke things open. It's, it's pretty, it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. really amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy story. But that's the side of capitalism that, you know, when those stories hit, it has such a, a huge impact on how people think business operates. They use, That's the example. Oh, business is bad. Business is evil. Look what people do. They raise all this money. They hurt people to further their own wealth, to further their own dreams. And they're not doing it with people. They're doing it at the expense of They're sacrificing real human lives to, to, you know, build whatever it is they're trying to build. And while there are a few bad actors out there, the, the, the larger group of businesses, they don't operate that way. They operate the right way. Mm-hmm. And we just need to shine a brighter light on that. That's important. I think that's part of why the BBB has been around for 107, eight, nine years, something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it's been a long, it's over a century. Right. That's a long time. Yeah. So you started talking about conscious capitalism without yep. saying conscious yep, capitalism. Yep, yep, yep. Want to talk, you guys want to talk about conscious capitalism? What is conscious capitalism? Well, conscious capitalism is looking at business from two perspectives that I think are are quite a bit different than how we view it today. Long-term instead of short-term and stakeholder-centric instead of shareholder-only-centric. And Milton Friedman, back in September of 1970, wrote a pretty famous New York Times Magazine article that in it was born the Friedman Doctrine, which basically said the only social responsibility a business has is to maximize shareholder value. And anything that diverts the value for the shareholders to other uh, efforts is basically stealing from the shareholders who are the rightful owners of the business. And in theory, I guess that's not wrong. But what I think has happened as a result of that is the practice of business really became myopically focused on shareholders only. And I don't, that's not the path we were on. And so there was something about the impact that Friedman's article had and his practice of economics and, and this theory, this shareholder primacy theory that sent us into, I think, a slightly different direction. And here we are with uh, less publicly traded companies on the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, at one time there was over 17 or 18,000 publicly traded companies. Wow. Today it's less than 4,000. It's super interesting. Like the pressure cooker of being a publicly traded C-suite exec to deal with that that pressure of the quarterly updates and the earnings calls mm-hmm. and activist investors. And I'm not speaking from experience. I've never had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the pressure of delivering short-term results to maximize shareholder value right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's what public company execs are, are that's the microscope they're under. Right. And it's at the cost of what? Right, uh, right. Uh, at the cost of, of of both employees and customers in the community. Right? It's at the cost of the environment. It's at the cost of the community. Yeah, the, the vendors they work with, the mm-hmm. suppliers. You know, this, this, this drive to maximize in the short run really can have some long-term damaging impacts on the entire ecosystem in which the business needs to operate. Mm-hmm. You you can't give your employees crappy pay and crappy benefits for a long, long time and expect them to stick around and mm-hmm. actually be very, very productive and deliver great service to whomever your clients are. Right. At some point, like the that, that system doesn't sustain itself. Mm-hmm. And conscious capitalism those of us who believe in it recognize that if we don't start looking long term and if we don't start thinking about the entire ecosystem of the of the stakeholder community that every business needs, then you know we're going to continue to kind of run this rat race of mm-hmm. short termism. And it's not helping anybody. Maybe it's helping some. Um, there's clearly some income inequality issues that exist. And, and I don't I, listen. I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I do believe in the power of business, though. I believe that when it's led by people who realize that forming a business around a higher purpose, 
that will lead to a profitable business is is a winning combination. Mm -hmm. And then to engage your people in a way that makes them feel like they're working for something larger than themselves and not just to hit some arbitrary budget numbers Mm -hmm. that need to be then delivered to owners, whether they're shareholders or private owners, it brings out the best in people. And, you know, people, we are a meaning making species and we want what we do to matter. And Mm -hmm. so let's tap into that. It's just, it's untapped still. We're starting to figure it out, but we're slow. (laughs) We are, we're slow. We're a slow speed. I mean, I guess it wasn't that long ago we were communicating through grunts and writing, you know, hieroglyphics on walls to communicate with one another. Well, also, you know, you don't you don't know fire hurts until until you touch it and it burns you, right? So it's true. Kind of get to this Icarus like point where profits are soaring so much, but then everything here is crumbling, and you know what I mean. Yeah, and and I'm not anti profit Mm -hmm. uh, at all, at all. Make as much money as you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just do it with an eye for the long term. And do it with an eye on let's let's rise the tide for everybody. Yeah, not exploiting. Certain yeah, don't don't groups. trade one off for the other. That's not what this is. I think that's I do want to say that's probably the biggest immediate misunderstanding of conscious capitalism. That somehow it's a Trojan horse for just you know what make a little less money so you can do good in the world. That is not what this is. Mm-hmm. This is make as much money as you can. And do good in the world Mm -hmm. and do good in the world is your own definition. There's no governing body who can tell you what good is. That's your own internal compass Mm -hmm. and how you lead your business and the people who come invest their time and energy with you. That's 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 up to you. That's a good differentiation to make or mm-hmm. point to make. Rather. It's important. It really is. Right. And then I, the proof will be in the pudding. It right? will. It yeah. will. And there's already a lot of great data that is that is proving that companies that operate this way are more profitable. They get better talent. They stay longer. They're highly productive. They're highly engaged. They take great care of the customer. They're Mm -hmm. innovating. They're more creative Mm -hmm. because they know you care about them as employees. And as a result, they're going to return the favor. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a win win versus do this because I told you because I'm the VP and you're not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that model worked for a while. It doesn't work real well anymore. No. How do businesses incorporate the idea of conscious capitalism uh, into into their general practices? What are what are some of the things, what practical actions that a company can take to, you know, behave in a conscious consciously way? capitalist? Yeah, I think the uh, to me, it starts at that core of the business leadership team, senior leadership team, really asking themselves and holding the mirror up. Are they in full alignment and have clarity on well, why does the business truly exist? Like, mm-hmm. is there a re- is it to make money? Is it because they're exploiting an opportunity in a particular industry or a market segment, or is there really some type of higher purpose? Whether it's externally focused or it could be internally focused, mm-hmm. the purpose could be that you're going to create a great product or service that does take advantage of a market opportunity or an industry segment. But your purpose is to create an environment in which people who come work for you and give of their time, their gift, their talents, their treasures, that you'll invest in them and help them become a better version of who they are so that when they leave, they will have left better than Mm -hmm. when they came. And you that becomes your purpose internally focused at taking care of people. That's pretty cool. That's pretty noble. So uh, so that I think it starts there. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy stuff. That's actually really hard stuff to figure out. Mm -hmm. That's really hard especially if it's a business that's been around for a while and maybe was started decades ago and was started under a very traditional, hey, you build a business because you can make something better, faster, cheaper, and you can make money. And so that that was the definition. And if that's the kind of business you inherited or got hired to be the CEO of or whatever it is, Figuring out and attempting to look within to understand why do we really exist? Is it just to make money or is there some sort of a deeper sense of meaning that we all can align around? So I think it starts there. And Mm -hmm. then from there, it begins to shine a bit of a light on, all right, what are the other practices that we need to take in order to now bring this to life? And to me, that's every part of that's every system or process from Mm -hmm. hiring to training and development to how you promote, to how you reward people, uh, how you lead people on a daily basis, 
uh, it begins to just permeate how you treat your customers, how you negotiate with your suppliers and the vendors. Mm-hmm. You know, are you constantly trying to work them over to get the best deal, mm-hmm. or are you working with them to understand well, what are their needs, mm-hmm. and then how do you find win-win opportunities in that? Totally. Um, so that's uh, a bit of a a long answer, uh, but there's there's a lot. I think it's I think it's moving. This is what it is for me, at least. Up until a certain point in my life, I was on autopilot and didn't know it. I just, I, society told me what to do and I did it and Mm -hmm. I didn't question it. And developing a higher degree of awareness, call it consciousness. For me, it's just a sense of awareness of, oh, wait a minute this is a ritual or a habit or some sort of institutional received wisdom that's being passed to me, but that doesn't make it so Mm -hmm. I can question this. And that's, what's been the biggest shift for me. And so every single human being has the capacity to do that, to simply just work on a sense of increasing awareness because when you have more awareness, you are all of a sudden given a lot more opportunity to choose. Mm-hmm. And you can go from reactive to conscious. You can, mm-hmm. you can it's, it's not a light switch, it's not linear, mm-hmm. but you can go from whatever you're, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, my autopilot would be flip, flip them off, mm-hmm. scream at them, honk at them, maybe even do something stupid like now tailgate them mm-hmm. or, or whatever that's called, like right, yeah, 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 tailgate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I'm screaming at them. Okay, well, that's dumb. Right. Uh, they cut me off. Okay. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, it pisses me off. But is me flipping them off, chasing them, scream like, wh- who's that hurting? Right. It's just, it's maybe a really simple example, mm-hmm. but one that I think most people can relate to because we've all been cut off in traffic. Mm-hmm. All right, they cut me off. Mm-hmm. So what? Maybe, maybe you know, they're on their way to some sort of an emergency that mm-hmm. I have no idea. And they didn't mean to, but they did. Okay. Let them go. I just, it's just, it's, so it's those, I don't know. I'm totally getting off on a bit of a tangent no, here, like but it. it's those uh-huh. little things that I think end up, those are the building blocks of our everyday life and how we choose to react to those, it's either reactionary or conscious choice. And and that's, for me, that's what it is. And the, the same rules apply in business. Mm-hmm. Somebody shows up late, it's the seventh time that they're late and you're their boss. And instead of even saying, hey, Jake, hey, Kimberly, this is the seventh day in the last two weeks that you've been late. Uh, I'm gonna have to write you up. That's option one. Mm-hmm. Option two is, hey, Jake, hey, Kimberly, this is the seventh day you've been late in the last two weeks. What's going on? Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. That's another option. And I would argue that option two is way better place to start. Right. Because you know what? You guys, one of you, both of you might be dealing with something that you're too embarrassed or ashamed to talk about. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're somebody that uh, is too proud to ask for help and you need it. And the person you need it from most is your boss mm-hmm. or your supervisor, whatever you want to call it. But you don't want to ask them and it's up to them to to be that person to say hey what's wrong now if you're just late because you're like lazy and all right hey you know what, what's up why why does this keep happening right uh which obviously could be the answer but yeah all right i'm gonna stop now no, no, no. i'll just keep no because we're just like listening <laughs> like, oh. wouldn't you say that a lot of companies especially newer ones today are practicing conscious capitalism and maybe they just don't know the lingo. I think so. I think there's a whole, that's a great point that I think there's a whole host of companies out there who are being led by amazing people. Mm -hmm. And what we call them, this is going to sound kind of funny, are unconscious conscious capitalists. Yes. I heard you say that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Like they're doing it because they know it's the right thing. Mm -hmm. They just don't have the language or the, 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 the official language Mm -hmm. framework for it. They're out there. They're doing it. They don't need to be told how to do it. They're just doing it because they know it's the right thing to do. And I would argue that there are way more of those types of businesses and business leaders out there than there are the, you know, I was going to say the Elizabeth Holmes out there, Mm -hmm. 
which it's, again, I don't know that I know the whole story, but it's hard to believe that she wasn't fully aware of the level of fraud that was going on she that she was, was in charge of. She was perpetuating it. She was. So We're not giving her a pass on this show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's tough. It is tough. I, like, I want to give her one, but it's so, the, the evidence is just far too big to give her one. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I, mm-hmm. I need some some other evidence. But uh, yeah, I think there's a whole a whole host of unconscious conscious capitalists out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, they, they don't need the language. They're just going to keep doing what they're doing. I, w- I would love them to kind of come in, you mm-hmm. know, join our little party mm-hmm. uh, and help us proliferate and propagate this movement so that the alternative economic models that are gaining some momentum mm-hmm. uh, don't end up becoming more popular than they already are. So you talked about a party. And I think there's going to be one next month here in Arizona, right? There is. There's going to be a big party, uh, April 23rd, 24th, 25th. Nice. At the Sheraton Grand at Wild Horse Pass Resort and Spa down in, uh, I actually think it's still considered Phoenix proper, but I always think of it as Chandler. Mm-hmm. Uh, the annual Conscious Capitalism Conference is coming to town. I like to say the circus is coming to town. <laughs> uh, it's going to be here for three days. And it is the largest gathering of conscious capitalists around the globe that happens every year. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be pretty awesome. The keynote lineup is just stellar. We've got some amazing folks from Arizona that are going to be sharing their stories with us from the stage, including Governor Ducey. Cody, Dr. Cody Friesen from Zero Mass Water, Mm. Michelle Scirocco, who's the chief social responsibility officer from Televerde and a whole host of others, as well as just a a stellar lineup from uh, people from outside of Arizona as well. It's uh, it's it's an amazing, magical type of gathering because there's such a values alignment in everybody that shows up. Mm -hmm. You sit down in a big ballroom with, you know, hundreds of other people. And those people are, are immediately your friends. Right. You just feel at home with them right away. It's it's a really it's unlike any other type of business event conference that I've ever gone to where you just can talk to everyone. No defenses. No one's pretentious. Mm-hmm. There's no, uh, you know, we're all puffing our chest to, to, there's, to prove who's better. It's none of that superficial garbage. It's yeah. just, hey, you know what? We're all business people trying to make the world a tiny bit better. And we're all trying to figure it out together. Who should attend this conference? Everybody in Arizona, which is probably <laughs> the wrong answer. Any anybody that is leading a business, it could be leading a, it could be a for profit, it could be a nonprofit. It doesn't matter. It, this is not. Uh, uh, this movement is agnostic to the type of business you're running. But if you are looking to harness the power of humanity mm-hmm. because you have employees. You need to come to this. That's what conscious capitalism is, is a a recipe for how to harness the best of what the human spirit is all about. We all, well, most of us don't have um, a trust fund waiting for us and can just sit around all day and not work. So Mm -hmm. most of us have to go work and stake Mm -hmm. our claim in this world and frankly want to work and and do something. Yeah. Uh, Well, how do you get the best out out of your the source of your people. Your people are the source of everything. How do you get the best out of them? That's who, sh- if you're f- trying to figure that out, you should come to this event. So it's not just for CEOs or founders. No, it's for everybody. It's, I think, probably one of the biggest untapped uh, teams or, or roles inside a business that would benefit from this would be the people, culture, human resources function. Uh, it's, this is a people based operating system. And who better to help? bring this into organizations than human resources professionals mm-hmm. or people professionals, however the industry is being referred to or the roles being referred to. Where can I go to find out more or register if I want to come? So the easiest place to go is conference.consciouscapitalism.org. Spelled just like it sounds. If that's too tough, you can go to consciouscapitalismaz.com. And there's a link on our homepage, the Arizona chapter, that'll take you to the main conference website, which is conference.consciouscapitalism.org. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So that's uh, all the information is there. Uh, the uh, the speak, uh, keynote speaker lineup, 
uh, all the different offerings. The agenda's not there yet because they're still finalizing the agenda, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, the registration's there. A- anything and everything that you would want to learn about this event is there, minus the agenda, which is just being finalized. We're excited it's coming to Arizona. It's huge. I'm just excited because Arizona, when it makes national news, is not typically for good things. And this is an opportunity to highlight all the good things with a whole bunch of people who are coming here from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And then when they leave, they'll leave with this amazing opinion and experience of time spent in this great state because there's there's so many good things happening here absolutely uh i don't it's awesome i love it here except the summer it's it's hot (laughs) we all agree on that it's just too hot it's too hot turn the heat down well brian uh we had a pleasure having you on the show it's always a good time when you drop by the office yeah we love it great energy guys it's always fun to be with you guys this is a great campus and I would encourage everybody who lives in, even if you don't live in the, the general vicinity of where the BBB is at uh, 10th Street in Missouri in, is this considered Uptown? Is that what this is? I would say Uptown. I think it's Uptown now. It used to be Midtown, but right. it's Uptown. Midtown, Uptown. Well, 10th Street in Missouri. This place is just a campus of goodness. And I would encourage everybody who has not yet visited to come visit three buildings, great people. By the way, phenomenal meeting space. So for businesses in the community that need a place to meet, mm-hmm. it's all here. The AV, the it's comfortable, it's open. There's so many different room sizes. It's just what an amazing resource for the community. And the Ignite building. Oh, my yes. God. What a great dream and vision that uh, you and Matt have, have brought to reality. Thank you. And uh, so just some really cool things happening. We're proud of it. And we couldn't have done it without an amazing board member like you. Oh, well, uh, I tried to quit. Don't forget that. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Brian. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Brian. you, guys. What a great talk we had with Brian Moore about conscious capitalism. It certainly is a school of thought aligned with Better Business Bureau's vision of a marketplace where buyers and sellers can trust each other. Quoting Brian from our conversation, he implored businesses to make as much money as you can and do good in the world. I think that's such an important sentiment because we're all stakeholders in the world of business. We're all part of this ecosystem of commerce, the health of which is dependent on the prosperity of every individual therein. So it's really on all of us to make conscious decisions that are going to result in long-term, far-reaching, positive outcomes. The Conscious Capitalism Annual Conference takes place April 23rd through the 25th in Phoenix, Arizona. If you're interested in attending, feel free to visit conference.consciouscapitalism.org. Brian is also a recently published author. Along with his business partner, Max Henson, they co-wrote the book Hiring on Purpose, How the Scouts Method is Revolutionizing the Search for Leaders. You can find it on Amazon today. Registration is now open for BBB's 2019 Integrity Golf Classic. Players can look forward to a fun day at the Madero's Golf Club in San Diego. The registration deadline is May 31st, so please register as soon as possible to ensure you and your foursome have a spot in the tournament, which is taking place June 6th. We're also looking for donors for raffle items as well as whole sponsors for the event. So if you represent a community conscious organization that would like to support our foundation's outreach initiatives, please visit golf.bbbcommunity.org and click on the sponsorship tab to see how you can get involved. That's golf.bbbcommunity.org. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please rate and review it anywhere you listen to podcasts. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or requests, you can send them to the Torch Podcast at bbbcommunity.org, and we will get back to you. See you next time, folks.